at like 9.30. It's the call. Welcome back to another edition of Living Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. Um, I was all, I was like, why, why am I hearing the song Leaving a Ring all over again here? A milk car. It turns out to be because I had a window open. On well, the, there you uh, go. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh, hey, welcome back, everybody, to uh, Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, uh, Emil Carr. It is a nice and beautiful day here in California. How's the weather out there, uh, Emil Carr? I know it's, uh, it's snowing, right? Uh, it is, it was snowing heavily. Everything was closed today. Schools were closed. Uh, really? I just got back from walking to the supermarket. As I told you before the air in, uh, the mm-hmm. supermarket was closed. What I didn't tell you was it was probably because of how much snow there's been. There's just been a lot of snow here and not a lot of traffic and not a lot of people walking around. But you know what? If you live in New York city or in, in the Midwest or in the Northeast, you're pretty much used to it. You're going to get this at least once a a Christmas, that's not Christmas, a, a winter season. Hmm. Yeah, so anyways, I'm just being told right now that we may not get uh, Robert the Ghost Guerrero for some something happened at training. He is in training camp because he's got some big news coming up. Um, his PR is telling me that his wife just texted him. You know, they did confirm it, but something must have came up. I don't know. Hopefully he can still come back on here. Um, today, I don't know. I mean, he's saying there's still a chance of him coming on. If not, we'll try again here on Leaving the Ring. That's what happens when you do a, a live show. But anyways, yeah. um, yeah, sorry about that, bro. I got kind of sidetracked here, you know. No, so <clears throat> Yeah, you know, um, we had like this crazy storm over here, you know, um, here in uh, Northern California. It didn't affect everybody because I think some folks in smaller towns like in Hollister, uh, they didn't have like this this crazy wind that we had going on. I don't know how fast the wind was, but end up blowing my fa- my fence down and my tree. Ah, it was a lot of crap, man. So a lot of cleanup oh, wow. on the weekend for myself before I even got to uh, sit back and enjoy the Saturday fights, which weren't that great. But it was Saturday <laughs> and it was boxing, so I was cool with it, man. How about you? Well, I was. Anytime there's boxing, I'm going to be excited on Saturday. You know, I don't really like going anywhere. I'm a homebody. Everybody who knows me knows that. I stay home. Right. You know, like I like watching movies. And even more than that, I like watching boxing. So Saturday was going to be a good night of boxing. Mm, actually, I can't really say that. I thought it was going to be pretty much what it ended up being. Hmm. Um, I, I did have higher hopes for the undercard. But it was actually the undercard that really disappointed me, um, especially the card that started at eight. The six p.m. card was okay, you know. Francis Bartholomew did his thing, whatever. Uh, the eight o'clock card, though, I thought the eight <laughs> o'clock card, I thought the eight o'clock card was terrible. All right, and um, 
I wasn't too happy with the main event. I felt that it went far too long. Um, it wasn't that exciting. I felt mm -hmm. that uh, Caleb Plant should have probably tried to go for the finish and close the show, uh, especially in a primetime slot like that on Fox, on network television, but he didn't. And it ended up being what it was. The fight I was most disappointed in, honestly, was the co-feature. That should have never been on any television network, let alone on Fox primetime between the NFL conference championships and the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a terrible look for the sport of boxing. I don't think that fight should have even been sanctioned considering the shape that, that Rock turned up in. And it just wasn't very good. And then the fight before that was a huge mismatch in which uh, it appeared that Seldon's had no business being in the ring. You know, let me ask you, let me ask you about Seldon because his dad, Bruce Seldon, was a title holder in the heavyweight division back in the 90s. Um, when he got dropped by Spencer... Joey Spencer and Jesus M was saying, hey, do you think his Joey uh, Spencer is uh, improving? What's up, everybody, man? Uh, thanks for tuning in. So we are before I go get into my thoughts about Spencer and Seldon really quick, because um, I do have a question for Mil Milcar. I am being told to Milcar they're trying to get him on. Um, so hopefully by 6 o'clock he'll be on the show here. Robert Ghost Guerrero, he is in training camp. Um, so he's training. He is looking to make a comeback uh, to the sport. Well, he's been on a continued comeback. You know, um, didn't you know? Remember when he retired, but then he then he returned. I want to say about a year ago, or no, 2018 is when he's made his return um, to the ring. We're gonna have to look up box to see when his last fight was. Well, when he came back. Anyways, um, dude, was there? He gets dropped. I'm going back with Selden. He gets he gets dropped, gets up, and then starts rabbit punching the hell out of Joey Spencer, and uh, and then. They pull him, you know, the ref separates them, you know, obviously tries to take control of the fight, talks to the kid, but you could really see that there was something going on m mentally. Was I maybe reading too much into that or? You, I don't think you were, I don't think you were uh, reading anything too much into that at all. Um, he didn't seem like he was mentally capable of being knocked down. His reaction to it was unhinged. I'd say, uh, unprofessional and throwing three direct intentional <laughs> rabbit punches essentially after the referee had, had said break. I mean, you could have disqualified the guy for that. You could have. To be honest. You could have. And he ended up getting away with a two-point deduction, deduction. Okay. And then he actually get it, getting knocked out by what didn't appear to be the most powerful shot. It didn't look like it even really landed fully flush. Right. I mean, I had reviewed it over and over again, but that was my first impression of it. So he was clearly still shooken up from the first knockdown. Right. And his legs were stiff. I actually didn't think it was an early knock knockdown. I mean, uh, uh, an early knockout uh, in terms of an early stoppage because you could see that the ref was actually having to keep him up, you know, when... when after he got up, his legs were stiff. He didn't look like he was in a position to continue. And um, I'm one of the people no. who airs on the side of caution and fighter safety. So I had I had no problems with that. Well, with going that off of his backstory, you know, uh, Selden, uh, the son of Bruce Selden, uh, heavyweight, um, who was uh, TKO'd by uh, Mike Tyson back in the 90s. 
hearing his backstory, uh, homeless, um, he was looking at, you know, at other sports was football, then got in a little late into boxing, um, was pretty much convinced to put on the gloves and then seeing the reaction, you know, it's hard not to, you know, to walk away feeling kind of bad for this guy because, of course, everybody in boxing has a hardship, but man, you got to have a soft spot for this kid because I saw there was some mental issues with him, you know, with the, with being dropped, getting up, not knowing how to, how to react to it. Um, it was almost watching a five-year-old have a tantrum against somebody else that bumped him or I can see that. I mean, I do see that. There was definitely, as I said, it was unhinged. It was unprofessional. You could probably also throw in immature. But, you know, what if he had caused bleeding on the brain? I I agree. I mean, look at what happened to baby Joe Messi. You know, out of Buffalo, New York, he had to stop – his career while he was a prospect because of bleeding on the brain. I mean, that's a very sensitive area, that kind of back of the head. And for I you guess to just my to point, though, is this. Like that. Right. But, yeah. I think what my point is in IBT, Immortal Boxing, what's up, brother? Good to see you here. Uh, Saladin was acting like a clown, bro. I agree. But I guess what my point is is that going back, even going into Rock, who was on the card as well in the heavyweight, fight against coffee. Um, and you were talking about this earlier on at, on your leaving the ring live at, at 5 PM show, the, the commissioners kind of do a better job, man. in really venting these guys or overseeing these guys before stepping in the ring, because, Absolutely. you know, th- this kid, like you said, with Joe Spencer, who's a promising prospect. Um, it was really hard to answer Jesus M's question about, do you think it's improving? Very difficult to say. You know, with, with a blowout like that, it's really hard. But, I mean, the kid, is, as we know, already has power and he does have speed. Um, his past fights, I haven't been that impressed. Um, but with this one here, I mean, he got the jo- job done pretty quick. But it was really against anybody really of note and recognizable. I mean, if that, I mean, think about this. We're talking about the kid's mental state, you know. And going back to the commissioners is that, you know, um, Sometimes these kids are just not up there. I mean, we've had incidents before. I was almost feeling, bro, I don't know about you, but I was almost feeling like after the fight and they're going to raise the hand of Joey Spencer. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if we would have, if we had witnessed Selden run across the ring with no yeah. glove and take a shot. I had that eerie feeling, too, about a guy that was totally unhinged in that moment. You know, it takes me back to yeah. the to the Friday night fights. Uh, when I was a little kid, and um, I forget who it was, but it was the uh, the name of the guy. But he ended up killing Max Kellerman's brother. He yes. kind of cold to do. I mean, he also ended that hammer. guy's. Didn't he? he? Yeah, I thought he hit him with a hammer, right? While he was uh... no, no, cold clocked him. He, he sucker punched him. But look, there's two things here. Number one, I agree with you. The commission's got to do its job, but. Number two, you'd think that Fox had some kind of quality control in place in in kind of determining what's going to be on its airwaves. I mean, if I'm an executive at Fox or even a lower-level producer and I see a guy show up at the scales in the condition that Rock was in, right? he would not 
fighting on my network. I would have been like, I don't know who you got to get to replace this dude. I don't care if you got to bring somebody up from the off TV card. This dude is not going to be on a coveted primetime spot on my network. It's a period. I mean, that fight should not have been on network TV. Just shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been on any TV. Any of the any of the of the of the undercard fights actually on the on the main card that started at eight. No, I I agree. That heavyweight fight. Talk about heavyweight fight. And this was on PBC Friday night. Um, you know, is uh, leading up to the main event to Caleb Plant versus Caleb Truax for his IBF title at 168 super middleweight. Um, you know, I mean, listen, everybody, uh, every promoter has got, <laughs> they're not going to be bangers all the time, all the way out. Um, but man, this one was really bad. And like you said, I mean, you've had your rant about it on your show earlier today. Um, and uh, and I couldn't yeah, agree yeah. more. Couldn't agree with the fans either. People on Twitter, on social media during the fight. But I mean, I think of anything, everybody was kind of happy that there was some fights because we did, uh, it's been kind of a slow year starting off in January not a whole lot of stuff were happening and uh I think everybody was in a rush of getting January done and over with put it in the bag put it on the books it's pretty much what we were hoping for Milkar I was thinking that was my sense you know because I knew as soon as we got past the Caleb and uh, the Caleb plan and Truax fight February March was going to be the months to look forward to we were getting closer to that mark to have some really yeah, good fights true. that's definitely true no doubt about that. I mean, that's as a boxing fan, you kind of wanted to get through through January. Although I am happy that we got to see the Fulton Junior Leo fight and the uh, Raiz Alim Pasillas fight. I felt that was worth um, the month of January for sure. I felt that that was a really good good card. So hopefully we can get uh, Robert the Ghost Guerrero here on the show. And uh, like I said, he is in training. He was supposed to be, he was scheduled for five fifteen. Uh, and then they told me, oh, shit, he's in he's in the gym. So um, hopefully he can get on here and then we can talk some some boxing with him. You know, I got a lot of questions for him. I know you got some questions for him as well. You know, but I guess we should get down to uh, the main event, Platt versus Truax. Um, let me ask you, what were your thoughts and what do you think, man, about the performance of, of Plant, who had a shutout over Truax, you know, who Truax has seen his better days. You know, I was hoping that we were going to get the true acts of 2017, maybe a glimpse of him, but you could really see he's a shell of himself. Um, I was pretty frustrated for him because you could see that in his mind, he wanted to let his hands go, Milkar. He just couldn't do it. Oops, sorry. He No, he couldn't do it. And I mean, what what what's there to say, really? I mean... He was a 37-year-old. I felt he was always undersized at 138 pounds. Former world champion. Yes, he had beaten DeGale. And, um, you know, DeGale was was a case of, I think, someone who had obviously won an Olympic gold medal and never quite got to the level that was expected of him as a professional. I'm not saying that he didn't have a good professional career, but I think a little bit more was expected of him, although I feel that he... he did finish up, obviously, with a solid career as a world champ. I mean, Truax made his name off of James DeGale mm-hmm. and was not able to do 
<coughs> excuse me, in this fight, anywhere resembling what he did in the DeGale fight. No, he wasn't. And for for whatever reason, Plant was not willing to take it up to another gear and close the show. I feel that Truax was essentially brought in to be a show showcase mm-hmm. opponent. And yeah. keep them preserved. We've talked about that before. Fighters picking on right. Fighters taking on fighters that are gonna preserve them because they're hoping to see a bigger payday down the run. I mean, Gennady Golovkin has been kind of notorious for doing it for the past three to four years uh, in his career. Um, you know? So, yeah. You know, let me, let me, let me ask you the pros and cons about Caleb, and I'll give you my take about him right now. What are the pros and cons that you saw with this performance against Truex? The pros... The pros, great poise, solid defense. You know, he boxes nice and tight. He he doesn't overcommit himself. And unfortunately, that's also a con. Um, Ooh, when I was going to say that. I was going to say, does he, he not overcommit? <laughs> he peels his opponent like an onion. You know, he takes off the layers of the opponent. He opens them up. He exposes his weaknesses, and then he attacks them. Right. But he doesn't get to the point where he closes the show and really knocks them out, you know? Um, right. You know, he, he reads them. He identifies their, their, their weaknesses, their openings, and then he takes advantages, advantage of them for the entire night. And, and that's pretty much it. He, he doesn't go into the next level of, like, what a Canelo at 168 does, which is kind of going for the, for the blows to put the fight away. Well, I mean, know? he's not – I mean, look. Caleb Plant is who he is. I think that anybody that was expecting on Saturday night to tune into a Caleb Plant of him turning over his punches, staying in the pocket, looking for some really like damaging exchanges to his opponent, was setting themselves up for failure. Caleb Plant does not plant himself in his fights. What Caleb Plant does is utilize what he is is kind of know for now as a boxer he's not a boxer puncher he's more of a pure boxer he's gonna move he's gonna set punches up behind the jab um and then when he sees that he kind of gets you stumped occasionally he's gonna mix in some combinations here and there just to keep you humble but the one thing that i mean and i like that that he does do that because if you look at the if you look at the pool of 106 pounders, uh, 168 pounders in that division, from B.J. Saunders to to Plant, um, and now I mean, even if let's say one in 160, let's say Demetrius Andre decides to jump up to 168, you know, you got three guys that honestly don't turn their punches over. They don't. They're not big punchers. Okay, you know. But the thing that that kind of alarms me about Plant though is that. We, I mean, I'm not sure if he does have any power there because he plays it so safe, Amilcar. Like, it's so safe. He's always in the safe zone. So, you know, until we get somebody that puts the pressure and, and corners him where he has no choice but to plant his feet and turn his punches, I don't know how if this guy can really keep off the likes of a David Benavides 
or a Canelo Alvarez. And maybe that's why I'm not too excited about them meeting later on this year or or because we haven't seen like as much as enthusiasm we've seen from him about wanting Canelo is the same is the same response that we've seen him in a fight, right? Well, look, I mean Juan de Angel, Thomas uh, Wimbono, Henry Hernandez, sorry, Andrew Hernandez, Rogelio Porky Medina, Jose Asquetegui, sorry, uh, and, and Caleb Truex all have one thing in common. I mean, they all went the distance with Caleb Plant. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the two guys that he's put away, and they were both TKO victories, were Fagan Butts and Mike Lee. And honestly, those were really two guys that are far from world-class level. And I'll just and leave it at that. there's nothing wrong with uh, being too dis- defensive, you know, like even like Jose, um, I'm just saying right now, or even the likes of just saying that he's a pure boxer, okay, he's a mover boxer, uh, he's a cutie is what we used to call him, you know. Um, it, that's not going to risk taking any damage because the game is hit and not be hit. And Caleb Plant, obviously, obviously he, he embodies that to the fullest, right? Uh, you know, but but the thing is, is that if you look at like Pernell Whitaker, let's just put him up there as an example. Pernell Whitaker is the is one of the most famous and by far one of the best defense whiz ever to live. Okay, like a Willie Pep. But you know, in our time in the eighties and nineties, uh, Pernell Whitaker was the it was the it factor. Okay, sweepy. But look at the resume and guys that he did it up against. It wasn't against B-level guys or guys that are on their way out or guys that look like a shell of himself. Pernell was doing this to primetime fighters. You know, he was he was displaying these skills against guys you wouldn't think he would be able to do. You know, like, you know, when you would see him get, you know, set up to fight this guy, you'd be like, there's no way he's going to get away. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya is too young, in his prime, too fresh, too tall, too strong. He's a he's a he's a natural one forty seven pounder. But what did Pernell do? He made him look like a normal fighter. That's where I'm at with Caleb Plant. Like I know you're skillful. There's no denying you got talent. But Absolutely. How much talent do you have? Is it is it oh. real talent against A class primetime guiders guys, or is it just real talent against guys that are B and C level? To me, me, there's definitely that aspect of it, David. And the other aspect, too, is does he have enough to keep guys like Benavides off of him? Does he have enough to keep guys like Canelo off of him? And to be quite frank, does he even have enough to keep a guy like, I shouldn't say even, I, I at this point favor Andre Durrell in the fight over Caleb Plant. You know what? I wouldn't call you crazy. I, I really won't. And And, you know... Here's the thing about Anthony Jarrell is uh, he will make it an ugly fight, you know? I mean, he's not the most aggressive guy, but he's also not the most defense guy, Jarrell, that is. He doesn't he's, back away from a he battle. He doesn't back away. He's going he's gonna to come. The dog. I think it's one of the best nicknames in boxing in terms of it being appropriate for the fighter. He, he is a dog in the ring. You know, and uh, IBT put, uh, Caleb Plant is a very good technical boxer and shows really crisp defense, but versus Truax, especially uh, uh, he turned it up in spurts when he did stun and hurt Truax, he wouldn't follow up. Yeah, and he really didn't, you know. Um, I mean, if anything, Truax just, he was like two steps behind 
even if you decide to turn it up, even if you decided to, like if Plant decided to stay in that pocket, I don't even think Truex would have been able to do anything. Um, he was landing a right hand from the outside. That was starting to look good after the sixth round. And when he was landing that right hand, which you could say either it's going to be the Achilles to uh, Caleb Plant or maybe Caleb Plant was even getting bored of his own fight. You know, I just kept sitting there going like, hmm, I wonder what Canelo's going to do if he throws that right. Because that would be his bread and butter for Canelo to throw against uh, Caleb Plant. And I'm pretty sure Eddie Renoso and the team were looking at that going, look, if, if this kid would have, uh, Truax would have been throwing it earlier, it might have had more success. But it goes back again. Truax was like two steps behind on anything. You saw that his mind, and this happens to a lot of aging guys, guys that have been in wars, guys that are already past their prime, you know, that shouldn't, honestly, this is their last hooray day, last uh, swan song, paycheck, whatever you want to call it. You could see older fighters overthinking what they're going to do next. And you saw that from from point from the first bell ringing in the first round uh, that Tru- uh, 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 Truax was doing that, you know? Well, um, look, I mean, you, you had a, a guy share his opinion with you, did you not, David? I know you're planning on sharing it, sharing it today. Yeah, you know what? I did uh, uh, reach out to the father of uh, David Benavides, who was on um, Leaving a Ring uh, last week. And uh, he, I asked him, I just asked him the truth. I go, hey, did you watch the fight? And uh, what did you think? What were your thoughts about uh, Caleb Platt's performance over Caleb Truax? And uh, I'll put it up right now. Let me get that ready for everybody. And uh, here we go. Let's hear what he's got to say. I thought he was going to look a little bit better. In my opinion, he should have stopped this guy, Truex, uh, maybe like in about three, four rounds so he can look spectacular and sell the fight with Canelo and make it more interesting. But, uh, I mean, he uh, won all the rounds. Um, He got touched a little bit. But... uh, Truex is on the way out, you know. I think he should have uh, looked a little bit more impressive, in my opinion. What do you think there? What do you think there, bro? You disagree with them? You agree with them? I, I agree with them 100%. I don't. I disagree with everything he just said. I felt that it was a, an opportunity to showcase himself on network TV in a primetime slot that uh, Puerto Rican Rum points out really well. I mean... The PBC has a time slot there that most promoters would kill for, right? Yeah. And that was a, a great opportunity to really plant your flag, say, look, I'm the man at 168, and I'm the guy that should be taking on Canelo after his next fight. And I don't know if – I mean, I know some people felt that because I was twi- uh, going back and forth with on Twitter, uh, but I don't think most people felt that. I think most people feel exactly the way that, uh, that Don Benavides feels. You know, I know I know uh, Jose Benavides Sr. said possibly should have knocked him out in three rounds. I think that's asking for too much from Plant. I thought maybe six, seven rounds he could have stopped him because if yeah, anything, fair. you know, Plant is good. Obviously, Plant's here. Look, this is Plant's style and his strategy. He's going to see what you can do from second, from first, second, and third. Normally, that's what a boxer does, okay? They wait three rounds, okay? Normally, the first two rounds are a throwaway. The third round, they start implicating what they're going to do 
fourth round, they start putting a little bit more fifth round, sixth round, boom, should have been able to get him out of there because you could have really see as well as this corner scene is that you don't have a guy that could pull the trigger anymore. Okay. And that's what I mean. Plant could have stayed in front of him and looked like a Pernell Whitaker if he wanted to, but he plays it safe. He is in that safe zone. Okay, I'll play it again really quick. Uh, Jose Benavides, the senior's uh, message to me about what his thoughts were about Caleb Plant's performance on Saturday night and his unanimous decision over Caleb Track. Really quick here for those that didn't get to listen. I thought he was going to look a little bit better. In my opinion, he should have stopped this guy, Truex, uh, maybe like in about three, four rounds so he can look spectacular and sell the fight with Canelo and make it more interesting. But, um, I mean, he uh, won all the rounds. Um, sure he did. got touched a little bit. But uh, sure did. Truex is on the way out, you know. I think he should have uh, looked a little bit more impressive, in my opinion. And there you yeah, go. well, you know, you, I, I, I don't know how many people that listen to the show watch, watch football. It's like Spanish football. I'll use this <laughs> as an analogy because I'm wearing a Barcelona uh, hoodie right now. It's like watching Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid or Barcelona play, you know, any of those teams. That, that's what it's like when you're watching Canelo, right? And when you're watching these other guys, it, you're not even watching the Primera División anymore. You know, I was going to say like a team like Getafe or Cadiz, but not even. It's like you're watching the second division of Spanish football, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's what it's like. It's... It's like a, it's a next level, I think. And I don't think he's in the same class as Canelo. I just don't. And, and the thing is, Canelo and him are about the same age. Are you going to start going in on your Canelo um, rant about what you think Canelo would do to, uh, to Caleb Plant? I mean, I... I think I think Canelo uh, beats Plant. I think Canelo beats everyone at 168, and I think that it's high time that people just give the guy his due. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree with you, man. I really do. I think that. Okay, but let's let's just pose a question out there. Do you think Caleb Plant is ready for? For Canelo, I mean, even though after that performance, do you think he could make Canelo work for that for that win? Uh, no, I don't. I think that Caleb Plant was is a much easier fight for Canelo than the Callum Smith fight was. I think that Callum Smith was Canelo's toughest opposition at 168, and he's dispatched of him. And I think everybody else is going to be uh, not as difficult to fight, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I, I just that's just what I see. I, I don't think Canelo's going to be challenged much until he moves up to 178 pounds. And if I'm Canelo, I don't even know if I really want to do that. I just stay at 168, become undisputed and ride that out for a little bit. Maybe go after a consecutive title defense record. I don't know who holds it. Maybe Calzaghi, probably. Maybe try to beat Calzaghi's record in the division, because I, I don't see him. I don't see anybody beating him at one sixty eight. You know, and if Triple G or 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 Charlo want the smoke, they should go up to one hundred sixty eight for the smoke. 
<laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, I like it's interesting what Main Offender put up on the chat room is uh, Platt fought like Haney versus similar opponents, both unimpressive. Uh, couldn't argue about that statement there, that comment there in the chat room there, Amokar, you know. Uh, you know, it's, to me still, Plant is the unknown. Because like I said, you know, because he really does uh, embody that hit and not get hit type of style. Take no risks whatsoever to continue on his career. Because as all of them, they want that, excuse me, um, they all want that Canelo sweepstake money. And um, the preserve is is becoming an issue, I think, with, with fighters now. You know, when you look at guys that had to really work, I mean, look, when you think about guys at 168 division, you think about guys like Glenn the Warrior, the Road Warrior Johnson, who had to fight pretty much everybody in the division and had to fly out. That's the reason why they called him Road Warrior, to get this big money fight, to get to the main guys, okay, that were, you know, dangling the title over their heads. And um, Plant could obviously... Could have made himself a bigger name. Now, listen, the PBC are doing a fantastic job, in my opinion, promoting them here, Milcar. You can't deny that. You know, putting them on, on commercials in between a football game. Right. You know, doing everything in their power to push this narrative that this super uh, middleweight IBF title holder is the next big thing, big thing. So it's now up to Caleb Plant to sell the rest of the narrative. Right? He could have done that. Hasn't done it. Has avoided it. You know, Jose Benavides uh, Sr. was on the show. So has David Benavides. And they both said, hey, we've been chasing this guy for two years. We want this fight. What did Jose Benavides Sr. say on the show? We'll fight you without your title. You can keep your title. We'll fight you. No problem. And he is the trainer, father, manager to David Benavides. So I'm hoping that some of that holds a lot of water and truth. But it's Caleb Plant. You know, um, it was offered two times you know, the fight for Caleb Plant to, to face kind of Alvarez didn't happen, um, you know, fell through. I'm getting a lot of, uh, you know, emails on leaving the ring. Folks saying, do you even think he'll face Canelo Alvarez in late of this year, Dave? Do you, do you guys think that's what will happen so. or will Plant come up with something new? I think so. And I just want to remind people, you can phone in. Lines are open, 347-460-1773. Once again, 347-460-1773. Lines are open, so call in. Talk plant, talk Canelo, talk anything you want to talk about boxing. Uh, yeah, and to answer your question, I think Canelo wants the fight to happen. I think Canelo's plan is get the WBC defense out of the way with Yildrim. Uh, this month, follow that up with a unification fight with Billy Joe, right, in May. Now you've got the two DAZN fights out of the way, and now let's go to the PBC and grab that IBF title in uh, September around uh, Mexican uh, Independence Day weekend. Right. So I think that's Canelo's plan. Uh, whether or not Plant will comply is another story. I hope he does. I was... <laughs> this at five on the leave it in the ring live at five show that i'm super sorry with the d style hosted um today on his channel that i think a good interim fight for plant would be a flight with fight with a uh, jermall charlo i'd like to see that if if charlo can't get a fight at one six at 160 move up to 168 take on plant 
winner of that fight faces winner of Saunders Canelo in September. Hmm. I like that whole schedule there. If we're playing promoter, that would be the the route to take and to do and stuff. Um, here, look, uh, Nato puts, hey, uh, will you pay $80 on Fox pay-per-view for Plant Canelo in September or prefer Triple G on DAZN? What do you think, man? What would you pay? The 80 bucks for Fox pay-per-view or the $10 a month uh, fight for Canelo versus Gennady Golovkin on DAZN? Uh, well, I already paid an annual fee for DAZN, so I'd prefer that. But I would pay the other bid to fight Canelo as well. Um, hopefully, they'd be able to get Plant over to DAZN. But if the PBC offers more money to, to Canelo, then obviously he'd go over there to do it. The ideal situation would be for that fight to take place on Fox. I don't see it happening on DAZN at all. Why is that? Well, because you're going to get more eyeballs on Fox than you would get on DAZN. Um, it's meaning the promotional part. Um, you know, it's easy access for a lot of people that watch football or, you know, um, that are sitting back watching those type of sports that they see that, oh, I got all I got to do is hit a button to, you know, on your whatever, however you use your, you know, uh, to pay for your pay-per-view rather than downloading an app and then trying to figure out how to put it up. Again, a lot of people still don't know how to use the DAZN app, man. I mean, that's been an issue. That's been a major issue with DAZN. That's why they went and signed a contract with like uh, Comcast and, 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 and networks like that to try to get it out there. I just think that, I think if anything, um, Al Heyman's going to see that there is better perks of keeping it on Fox. And they, that might kill the possible unification fight for September, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. Well, if that happens, and as far as I'm concerned, Canelo's undisputed. I'm sorry. If you're at the <laughs> league, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just like, I'm just, you know what I'm thinking? I'm just not trying to keep my hopes up too high about the whole PBC thing. I mean, I'm not saying that PBC wouldn't want to play in the sandbox with Canelo sweepstakes. I, obviously, they, they want that. They, they kind of need that, you know, because, you know, uh, how much longer can they keep pushing this towards there? Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, putting them in with David Benavides at this moment wouldn't be the best interest for them. Because here's a fact about this, about PBC, okay? And I was talking to you about this off the air. I was saying, hey, if you kind of look at the trend with the PBC, you know, sometimes, even though they got all the straps on their side and all the ducats in a row in their promotion, they tend to drag out, you know, their champions holding that belt. Meaning like Keith Thurman holding on to a belt. I mean, didn't face... The best as a welterweight when he had all practically all the bouts. There was one bout out there I think was missing, which was Danny Garcia's bout at that time. And the same thing uh, of the handling of Floyd Mayweather. I mean, which Bob Arum had a lot of part, a lot of part in in of holding that fight up as well. But you know, I, I could see PBC going like, hey, we can hold off a little longer. Why why put our all our eggs in one basket and lose a possibility of them losing? Uh, you know, their biggest star that they're thinking at 168 to Canelo Alvarez, where, you know, David Benavides, they, they could possibly be doubting themselves and, and him at the moment. 
I mean, I just don't know how much money they make with plant. And I think if I'm them and kind of what I see them doing is getting plant out there on Fox, giving it mainstream attention, hopefully get a mainstream appeal so that they can lure Canelo over to do a big pay-per-view and make a lot of money. That's and potentially keep them keep them at, at, with the PBC for a couple fights. I that that's kind of what I see, Dave. And being that Canelo's a free agent, you know it shouldn't be an issue. Because I mean, look, he Canelo signed on with a two deal uh, fight with Matchroom. After mm-hmm. that, there's no commitment, and we know what the two deal is for. Okay, uh, you know he's got a fight coming up this month, which is. Uh, Believe it or not, it is a uh, Canelo fight month. And then yeah. he's got the B.J. Saunders fight coming up. Those two, it's done deal. Yep. You know, Absolutely. Uh, let me see who put this up there. Tony, Tony Yeo, um, he put PBC uh, wants to play with Canelo on their own terms and would have wanted to be on the Fox platform. I don't think that Canelo should fight against that, you know. Uh, you know, I don't think Canelo should worry about that. You know, being a free agent, let's make it happen. It worked out perfect for Mikey Garcia. Why would it not work out perfect for a Canelo Alvarez, who's a far much bigger star than Mikey Garcia? Yeah. I mean, just go to the network that can give you the best deal. I mean, that's what he did. And he used his own leverage and own fame and own position in the sport to essentially get out of the confines of a, of a contract he had with Golden Boy and deal directly with the zone. So I look, Canelo's no knows what he's doing. Canelo's shown at least to me that he's an astute businessman. He's not going to get fucked financially or promotionally. No. He's done his two fight deal. There's a clear plan in place. Defense against Yildrum this month. Fight with Billy Joe Saunders in May. Unify those titles, then be open to fight whoever, and most likely, obviously, uh, Caleb Plant in the fall. Which, and I think all three of these fights are winnable fights. Funny enough, I think that the Saunders fight is a more difficult fight for him than the Caleb Plant fight. What fight was that one? I was just saying that I think that the Saunders fight is a more uh, of a of a. I wouldn't even. I think he wins. But I think it's a tougher fight for him than the plant fight. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he's southpaw. He's slick. He can take a punch, um, and yep. he doesn't mind thinking it out. He really doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. You know, and I'm going to be honest with you. He's got way better uh, guys on his record than than Plant does. It's not even close. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not. But here's the thing, though. It's at what weight was those guys better? 160, not 168. Yeah, I realize that. But you have to take that into account, you know? This is is true, David, but a plant's three best wins are nowhere near as good as Billy Joe Saunders' three best wins. They're, They're just not. No, there's no argument there. But I think that's what... I think the betting odds would be for a May showdown, Canelo versus uh, B.J. Saunders would be the the safe bet is that Canelo is a more proven 168 title holder than B.J. Saunders because oh, B.J. No, no, Saunders, I, I, yeah, better days is at 160. 
No, absolutely. I'm not saying that Canelo doesn't beat Saunders. I think Canelo beats Saunders. I just think it's going to be a more difficult fight for him. No, no, I know. I agree with you. I definitely, I'm definitely agree. Saunders, just looking at his record, it's a much better record than Caleb Plant. My rent is due. I need super chats. Uh, Billy Joe says, um, he says, Billy Joe has more skills than Plant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a southpaw. He can box in a cutie style, but he doesn't really mind mixing it up either. What is like his record, I said, he, BJ? Let me ask you oh, God. What is BJ Saunders' record at 116? I know you got that up right now. Who are the uh, – how I many actually, fights has he had there? I actually don't have it up, uh, but uh, but I think I can – I think he's 2-0. and oh, No, 3-0 and oh as a super middleweight. Three wins, zero losses. And I think he's got – two stoppages i mean i can look it up right now let's look it up right um, now. let me check it out but, but what i what i do know off the top of my head is are his best wins andy lee chris eubank jr david lemire and john Ryder. those are way better guys than than are on plants records and john Ryder was at 168 right no john Ryder was oh, at no. 160 160 yeah. yeah see that's what i'm saying um I hate to be the guy that th- doesn't think Plant has a prayer. And I'm just giving Plant maybe more of the benefit of doubt because he is a career 168, whereas Billy J. Joe Saunders really isn't. I guess until you... No, he's not. Yeah, but he was a big middleweight. He was always a big middleweight. He's not necessarily a big 168-pounder like Callum Smith is, but um, look... Canelo's already beaten the most difficult guy at, at 168. I've said it earlier on. At, at this point, it's just a matter of style matchups and who's going to kind of be the most difficult style that he's going to have to kind of unpack and, and surpass. But to me, it's unquestioned that Canelo's the best at this weight, and it's a long gap between him and the second best in, in the division, which is – Smith, and then there's a quite a bit of a gap between Smith and everybody else as well. Hmm. All I could say is this: is all I want to see, in the, at the 168 division, is some um, some really good fights here. You know. That's it. You know, <laughs> some really really good fights there. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button there. <laughs> well, box wreck. Box Rec seems to be down for me right now, so I, I can't look it up. But I, I know he's undefeated at super middleweight. Um, he won the vacant title, and then I think he dis- he's defended it twice, most recently against uh, Martin Murray. And by the way, Martin Murray is a better fighter than m- most of the people on Caleb Plant's record as well. And I didn't even put him in the top three, let alone four of the top uh, Saunders uh, opponents when I kind of ran, when I kind of ran through them earlier today. So Tony uh, Ayeo puts Andre Ward gay plant props on social media says he steps up to competition. Hmm. What's his? Yeah, I don't. His, what's I, don't, his, uh... Uh, I, don't <laughs> I don't agree with that because from what we both understand, he turned down the fight with Canelo, the same fight that Callum Smith ended up taking. I know. That's what I'm just puzzled by. Why would he even tweet that? You know? that, just, that, just shows, that just shows me already that there is a, that he doesn't have the confidence that a Callum Smith had in terms of his chances against Canelo. 
right? See, that's so, what BJ Saunders is, uh, uh, Champ Ross puts up there. Uh, you know, fought some decent names. Problem is, he's inactive. And I, I agree with that. It, he is inactive, you know, because so, I mean, both guys, really honestly, in my opinion, don't pose that threat, which will always leave the question of Canelo. You know, it goes back to what your earlier show was about and saying, what does Canelo got to do? What does he have to do? Because he's going to get two guys. One guy that keeps himself safe in the safe zone because he wants to keep the O. And then the other guy is not as active. And, you know, recently I got in trouble, got suspended. Fights that were supposed to happen. He was supposed to fight Demetrius Andrade. That fell apart. You know, and so now, really, honestly, the only one that's active and has been active and the only thing that stopped them from inactivity was COVID is uh, Canelo Alvarez. And as we see, he's trying to play catch up here on this year. Canelo's just got to do two things, uh, fight and win. And he's always going to have his detractors. He's always going to have his haters. And it, that's just that's just what it is. I mean, um Unfortunately, that's always going to be the case, but he's not a Roy Jones who's been cherry-picking opponents in his prime, right? He's been facing pretty... Yeah, in fact, people are are not fighting him, right? So, I mean, the only person who he said that he doesn't really want to fight or the person who's been calling him out that he hasn't fought is Triple G, but it's like, been there, done that, plus you accuse me of drugging up and... You said you saw needles on me and like all of this crap. It's like I wouldn't give the guy a chance, a fight either. Why am I making you more rich? Nah, I'm moving up to 168. Let me become undisputed, and if I'm him, let me go after, you know, the a consecutive record. Like I said, I think it's Joe Calzaghe. I don't know who else it would be. I think it's probably Joe Calzaghe. Set a new record at 168. Mm-hmm. It, I don't need to see Canelo go go to 175. Canelo, let Canelo do it. Do do Canelo, right? I think the what's problem, interesting. The problem though with for Canelo there, and I agree with you. I'm just you know playing devil advocates here, advocate here is um, is that because he flirted at 175 and facing a recognizable name and a guy that many thought, as including myself, and I'm pretty sure you, um, beat Andre Ward in their first meeting is Sergey Kovalev. He went up there. He beat a shell of Sergey Kovla, but I thought, you know what, Kovla had enough, especially to test the guy coming up from one sixty eight, right? Well, that was it. That was it. it actually, right. from one, actually from one fifty four, because Kovalev's always been at one hundred seventy five pounds, and Canelo was at one fifty four. So I felt that that the age uh, was enough of kind of a trade off to balance out the competitiveness of that fight. I mean, going into that fight, it was a lot of people viewing it as a 50-50 fight. Very few people saw Canelo just going in there and destroying Kovalev. Yeah, or knocking him out. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, was like, I thought so, anything Canelo was going to outbox him. He was slower. Kovalev, yeah. you know, um, was going to outwork him. Uh, you know, but I thought for sure that Kovalev was going to test his chin even more. And yeah, and he passed what? that with colors. So I. I'm good with him staying at 168, and the funny thing is he stays around 168. He's got people coming up the pipeline, right? He's got Berlanga. He's got uh, Morel Jr., right? He's got ben- Benavides, who's still there, who's very, who's very young, right? You've got people there at 168 that next year, the year after, uh, will, you know, 
you know, we're going to bring fights to the exciting fights of the division. Let him hang out at 168 for a while. Not to mention Jamal if he moves up. Not to mention Andrade if he moves up. You know, it's... But again, I mean, look, not to play fanboy, which this would be the fanboy theme song if we were to do this. You know? But here's the thing. Even the names that you mentioned right now and, uh, if for Canelo, okay, and I agree with you. Stays at 168, clean out the vision, make history at 168. Plant and BJ Saunders, like BT Immortal just said right now, what a wish that those two guys would have done more, have stiffer competition. And I'll tell you why. Because even if uh, uh, Demetrius Andrade jumps to 168, even if Charlo jumps to 168, and even if Gennady Golovkin jumps at a hit at, a, at 168, the argument still can be made. He faced two champions that were not completely tested at 168, which is Platt and and uh, BJ okay. Saunders. Hold that's on, hold fine. on. And then three guys that are jumping up. One guy that's out of his prime, Gennady Golovkin, and then two guys that have yet to show what they could do at 168. The only way that I see, and even fighting David Benavides, even though um, a lot of us believe that he's the most feared guy at 168, is a bit green, and he looks very vulnerable. He gets hit a lot. He squares up, like you mentioned before. So what does he do? And that's what the that's what hurts him by treading into the 175 division there, in my opinion, Mokar, because he decided to test that water, and that's what people are going to ask for now, is that higher level uh, of, of bar for him. The thing is, people can ask that. People could complain. People could cry. People could whatever. Look. Canelo started his career at 154 pounds, right? He went up to 160. Now he's at 168. I mean, you don't have to just keep weight jumping up and up and up and up because fans, like, want you to. Look, he's already the best at 168. I don't think anybody really can dispute that. The best at 168 was Callum Smith. He destroyed Callum Smith. He destroyed Callum Smith. Callum Smith won the World Boxing Super Series. He was a unified world champ. Canelo destroyed him. Okay? Now Canelo is just cleaning up. He's cleaning up. He's already eating at the table. Right. Right? He's had, he's had his starter. He's had his main course. He's had his, his dessert. And now he's just sitting there observing things. And it's like, oh, let me have, you know, a couple grapes that are still there and some other things. He's just he's he's the he's the man at 168. This rest of this stuff is just cleanup. What I'm saying is down the line, right? You've got some younger guys who possibly in the future can make exciting fights, much in the way that Fernando Vargas did at 154 when he took on like the older guys like Tito and wanted to 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 prove himself. Berlanga, right? Even though he's quite a bit older than than Vargas was, we keep we we tend to forget how young Vargas was when he did that. Yeah, when he but stepped Bar- in with Tito, it was uh, the week of, yeah, uh, you know, 20, he just turned 21. Oh, yeah, 21, yeah. So we've got Berlanga, right? We've got right. Morel Jr., mm-hmm. right? Those are two really good fights right there. And you still got the older Lions, like Anthony Durrell still around. I don't really want to see a Daniel Jacobs rematch, but he's at 168 still. Right, yeah. You know, I'm interested to see what this guy Zach Parker brings to the table. He hasn't been tested yet. You know, uh, there's... There's guys out there, and, and he can just sit there and, and wait. Uh, so, I don't think the emphasis is on him to go up and fight <clears throat> uh, a guy like Baturbiev. Why? 
you know, it's. I don't see the reason either. I think you need to clean out because here's the thing: is that look, and I've seen some fight fans even on the Leaving the Ring Gmail asking like, why can't he move up to one uh, 170 fan? Like I said, you know, it's a double edged sword because he did that, going up to 175 and then coming back down. Okay, he did the same thing when he started testing the waters at 168. He got a title from Miguel Cotto, dropped it, went back down. Okay. You know, he did the same thing. Now, but here's my thing. Um, going just, just going back to the to plant here is if I'm plant, okay, if I'm plant's team, do I sit around and wait to see Canelo's next move, which is going to be he's going to, you know, find, he's finding his mandatory. Then after that, he gets into a second fight, this, you know, of this year, which would be against B.J. Saunders. Plant fight in the beginning of the year. What's the plan for them? Are they going to be inconsistent, or are they going to go in there and face somebody else? You know, I would like to plant to get in there with somebody else. I'm not really necessarily thinking Danny Jacobs or anything like that. Um, I just don't think Danny Jacobs. We saw what I mean. We saw what he looked like looked like at 168 against uh, Gabriel Rosado, and it's it wasn't good. You know, and uh, you know he's not going to fight David Benavides. There's too much on the line. You know, and you know, I don't see him fighting Anthony um, Durrell because he's fighting this month as well. You know, so that fight is out the door. I don't think if I don't think Durrell would be ready for like a possible June showdown. What do you think? I I'd like to see a plan take on an interim fight because I think the guys should fight at least three times a year. And if I'm planned, I do that, and then I seek the biggest money possible against Canelo because no one's going to pay him a bigger purse than than Canelo will, or no fight will bring him as much money as a Canelo fight. I think he's not going to win that fight, but he's going to be paid handsomely for it, and then he can go back and, um, you know, uh, continue to fight after that. I mean, look, one thing at 168 – that I have, I will say about the division is we tend to have seen good matchups in the division. We don't usually see guys avoiding each other. And this goes back even to before the, the World Boxing Super Series. Um, even before that, I mean, there was the, the tournament that Ward was in when they were all kind of fighting each other. So at least for like the last 10, 15 years, people have been fighting each other at 168. I just hope that continues. You know, it's not... It hasn't been a situation like the welterweight division right now uh, or like the welterweight division was earlier when Floyd and Manny were kind of the two biggest stars there. You, historically, people at 168 have, have fought each other. So I'm, I, I, I hope that that continues, obviously. You know, my rent is due, said Plant injured his hand. He might be, he might wait till September. Uh, Champ Ross said uh, Plant uh, is going to uh, sit it out, sit around. And he, that's the way he's hinting things. And then, uh, not to put Turox wasn't even a mandatory. He was ranked number three by the IBF. You guys want to call in? Let's talk some boxing here. Let's talk uh, Canelo and uh, Plant and Benavides and BJ Saunders here on Leave the Ring. Call in at 347 460. One seven seven three. Let's talk some boxing here, okay? Hey, let me ask you guys this, okay? Um, while we wait for somebody to call in here, um, two thousand twenty-one biggest fights out there for you uh, that you look forward to or you hope kind of happens here 
Amilcar. What are you looking forward to, man? And in hopes too, also. I mean, I'm looking forward forward to quite a few fights. I think everybody's looking forward to Taylor Ramirez, all right, to Estrada uh, Gonzalez. Um, If Ioka Inoue happens or gets announced, that will be up there for me. Obviously, the big big one is Fury and and Joshua, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, those are, I think, the fights that that everyone's – Really looking forward to. <laughs> to see JC, JC from Ringside Reporter put plant. I'm gonna take my sweet time plant. <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, I give the guy credit. He he he's not at all shy about boxing in the way that he wants to box. If that's how he wants to box, you know, all credit to him. Um, I just think then that the, you know, the the. The promotion and and the way he he's talked up fights with guys like like uh, Benavides Jr. I mean, it doesn't exactly match what we see in performances with guys like Caleb Truax. You know, um, so yeah, your question. That's what I've been looking forward to. Oh, we got a call coming in right now. Kind of bring him on in. Eric Code five one zero. You're on. Leave it in the ring. Hey, Milka. Hey, Dave. Fernando, we're here in uh, Fresno. Now, how you guys doing? Good, Fernando. Thank you. Pasó, bro? Um, I was listening. I was just listening to uh, Dave ask uh, what fights am I looking forward to? Yeah. This year coming up. Yeah. And I, I know everybody's looking forward to like uh, Joshua and uh, Fury, and then Canelo maybe Triple G or whatever. Whatever Canelo's going to be doing. I know, what, fight, you, I know what you're going to say. I know what uh, fight you're going to say. Go ahead. Versus uh, Usyk. Because that, that might end up setting off like a like its own little bracket of heavyweight uh, championship fights, right? If yep. they make that a if they make that WBO title a, a full title, you know, we might might be be getting the winner of uh, Usyk Joyce versus Andy Ruiz, Deontay Wilder, uh, the guy from uh, Fiji, that guy also, you know, the Junior Fa against Junior Fa. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would be fun, man. Get some other uh, heavyweights going at it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. That- that's why Sorry, I was saying, that's why you know that's why I put it up there. Uh, 2021 uh, biggest fights, and not necessarily like pay per view and what you know. I, you know, those are super fights, in my opinion. You know, when you talk about like AJ versus Fury, that to me is a super fight. Okay, but like you think about Ramirez and Taylor, think about uh, uh, Ortiz and Hooker. Uh, those, I mean, these fights here. If let me let me ask you this. Fernando Anamilcar and everybody in the chat room and listening. If Caleb Plant versus Canelo doesn't happen that this year, do, do you really honestly does it would it affect you or do you care about it? Because we have so many good fights this year that look like they're gonna just gonna come come along if the COVID thing doesn't prevent it. Go ahead, Fernando. Oh, I, I didn't even hear David. I can't hear David on my side. Uh no, that's that's called give that. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the Usyk versus Joyce. I think a lot of stuff can come. A lot of good stuff for the heavyweights can come out of that. But uh, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for taking my phone call. I'll listen, I'll listen on YouTube. I like to hear you guys what you guys are talking about. Appreciate it. All right, thank Fernando. Um, to answer your question, Dave, no. I mean, I don't really think it uh, it will affect me at all. I mean, there will be plenty of other fights, but I would like to see it happen. I'd like to see. A goal that Canelo uh, has um, announced for himself, um, 
I'd like to see him see it through. And I like the fact that he's pretty much stated that he wants to fight four times in about, what, a 10 to 11th month span? Wow. I mean, that's pretty pretty cool. I, I, I'd like to see him do that. No, definitely. I definitely. How about this, man? I don't know if you saw, but ESPN had uh, reported, according to them, that Bob Aram says that he'd like to see Ryan Garcia versus Teofimo Lopez in the summer of 2021. Get in the sense that he's trying to de- derail the talks of Pacquiao and Ryan Garcia because Ryan Garcia has been tweeting out, not tweeting, put on his Instagram that it's going to be a real fight. They're not looking for an exhibition. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, Golden Boy today announced that that fight's not going to happen, Garcia and Pacquiao. So I'm hoping Garcia goes back to pursuing a Tank Davis fight, because that would be on my list of fights I really want to see, right? Yeah, that should have been, and, like, his main goal at the time, you know? But, I mean, I get and, it. I, and I'd also like to see Haney against Teofimo Lopez. And I think that's also a really good fight and, and is a fight I'd like to see. And if Inouye Ioka doesn't happen, I'd really like to see Inoue, uh, um Rigo. I'd like to see that fight take place. Oh, God. They're both 118 pounds. I see that as a great passing of the torch fight. And I don't really see, I don't really know how many more years Rigo has in him. He's already 40. So I'd like to see him get one last big fight. And there's no bigger fight at 180 pounds than the monster in a way. No, that would be, that would be a hardcore dream fight right there. If they could make that, make that uh, happen. Ransom, uh, Bartholomew, what did you think about him? He was on the undercard. It was the co-main event. He had a 10-round decision over uh, Rivera. I think it was a similar result to Plant. I mean, you're in a primetime spot on a major <laughs> network. You kind of want to show that you're the man that people have to face. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know about you, Dave, but I didn't really get that impression after watching that fight. I didn't either. I mean, I sat there and I was just like, I mean, look, you had a guy that you could hurt. You had a guy that you could put more pressure on. I mean, if you're trying to make a statement in a very deep pool division, right there is the time to do it. It gets you in the gets you in the in the same breath of these other guys. And right, it was such a lackluster performance that. And here's the thing with Plant. I guess I'm not holding the same energy with it because I kind of expected Plant not to like come out there and try to stop Truax. You know, I was talking to Brian Fogg, uh, my good friend Brian Fogg, and Brian was like, you know, he likes to put money on the fights, and he was like, D, what do you think, bro? You think that uh, Caleb Plant, because everybody's thinking Caleb Plant's going to stop Truax. And I'm like, if Truax is shot, even if he's shot, I can't picture Caleb Plant stopping him. And guess what? It happened. He went all the way. He went all, you know, all down the line of those twelve rounds, and it just uh, it just proved my, that what I was thinking. He's just not one of those type of fighters, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you are Ramirez, if you are even a pro gray, let alone a Josh Taylor, you're not going to watch that fight and say, "Wow, now I need to fight that guy." I, I feel pressure to fight that guy, or that's a guy like I need to fight in order to get a, a bigger fight, if you're like a, a Taylor or even a Jack Catterall. Right. I mean, it's just, 
it was just a very underwhelming card, top to bottom, and not a very good look for the PBC or a very good look for boxing. And it doesn't bring me any great pleasure to say that because I've actually been saying quite consistently that I think the PBC has been bringing us the best cards in boxing. I, I agree. I agree, you know. And uh, let me see. Where was that comment at right now that I just saw? Which I would love to see, too, here, which is uh, Rusta Barber. But I wouldn't mind seeing Charlo versus Benavides. I would not mind seeing. I mean, look, dude, if Charlo jumps up from 160, okay, and we're seeing. We, I mean, we're not seeing this. We don't even know if this is really true, if they're having difficulties. We're just it's the assumption is there's a difficult. They're having difficulties getting Charlo a big fight with anybody 160. The, the, the names that come up right away is immediately you're thinking Gennady Golovkin and Demetrius Andrade. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So if he leaves the 160, which I said that he shouldn't, because it, it would be a much bigger draw if he was able to clean out the division than take the jump, because then he has some weight to say, you know, we can make something here. If, if there's a unified 160-pounder, I'm a unified 160, and it makes let's make that happen. But if he makes that jump, Milkar, at 168 to fight David Benavides, bro, there's they erase everything that he's done at 160. It's almost kind of the same feel, but not that much of a big leap, which is eight pounds, but it makes a big difference. But like the way Mikey Garcia decided to go to the lion, uh, Charlo's really going to the lion, facing that big six foot one. Mexican fighter that comes forward and, uh, you know, stalks you in, at the 168. I mean, you got to give him props. If he was there to be great, Charlo. Yeah, absolutely. If, if that's a fight uh, that, he, that he'd go after. But if I'm him, I'd actually target Plant because Plant actually has a title belt. And it would, it would put me on line for Canelo fight. I, I, I don't really see much benefit in Charlo's case of taking on Benavides, if I'm going to be honest with you. It's a tough fight. He's not a champion, and it's like an optional fight that you're taking on. If I'm, if I'm Charlo, I'm, I'm targeting Plant so that I can get to Canelo. Um, but personally, as a fan, I'd like to see Charlo stay at 160 and clean out the division. I would, too. And like I said, marketing-wise and history-wise, it makes more sense. But at the same time, if you can't get the other guys to play in the same, you know, sandbox, I don't see why you even stick around, okay? Uh, you know, Jesus and put, the UFC has mega fights lined up in boxing, uh, in, uh, lined up, and boxing is way behind in light years. Uh, but here's the difference, though, and I agree with you. The UFC does. I mean, they do a great job. As soon as their, their pay-per-view event finishes, before they even go off air, they're already talking about, the next event, the next big fight. The thing is, though, is that the UFC has a monopoly over their fighters. So, like, their fighters have no say. They're already, like, scheduled in, you know, locked, sealed, and done. They're already told what they're going to get and how it's going to move forward. The only the big, bigger players are allowed to, like, you know, kind of finagle and say, no, I don't want to do that, like a Conor McGregor. Um, you know, boxing, the characters in it, is there's, there's just so many... Hands in the cookie jar, it's really difficult to hold down something in boxing. I mean, it's it's a structure that needs to be structured correctly, but it's a fractured structure that doesn't want to be sealed and healed up, unfortunately, in boxing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, but that that's true. But at the same time, I'd like us to remember that, you know, I just described a whole lot of fights that I'd like to see it and that are in the works for 2021. And right. I don't think the UFC has a bigger fight than, than Joshua against Fury. No. I could be wrong. I don't follow the UFC cl- that closely, but well, look at I don't this. think I didn't fight, fight than that. How about, how about this? Uh, Jose Ramirez, Josh Taylor, big fight, unification fight. Okay, AJ and Fury, mm-hmm. you know, um, and if Canelo and Plant happen, I mean, you have three unification fights there. Those are that's pretty big for boxing, you know. That's Especially we had such a dry uh, a drought and and of no fault of its own because of COVID in two thousand twenty. Yep, I agree. And and there's a lot of movement at 115. There's also a lot of movement at 118, 122, you know, 130, 135. There's a lot moving in boxing right now. I'm I'm actually ha- hopeful about this year. I think the biggest roadblock will be not having fans at fights and also uh, obviously COVID. Yeah, that's the only thing that's making me like nervous is because we're still not out of the woods with this COVID. Uh, you know. And um, that's the only thing that could stop any of these fights happening moving forward. But as of right now, I mean, we're, we're looking at a really good calendar, you know. And if you even look at just this month and next month, especially March, I mean, you, you've got a lot of a lot of stack fights happening. OK, I mean, I'm really looking forward to to uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus Maurice Hooker. That's going to be. That's going to be a banger, man. I, I think that's if you're looking for your fix, that's going to be it right there. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a good fight, and I'm hoping they get signed too because I don't think it's official just yet, right? Yeah. Do we well, have once new- again, li- lines are open three four seven four six zero seventeen seventy three. Again, it's three four seven. Four six zero seventeen seventy three. If you want to come on and talk uh, boxing with uh, Dave Duenas and myself, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I don't think we're going to be getting the ghost. Just let everybody know because they text me. He's still in the gym. Um, we're probably going to have to set that up for next week. They're trying right now. They're going to give it one more shot here. Give it about another. I'm going to give it about another ten minutes, man. If we don't get him. Um, call it a night because there's not a whole lot we don't have any i don't think there's anything planned for this weekend unless you want to talk about the don king card <laughs> no i don't really want to talk about that what? A total that was a great match. fight and i i that fight was almost as bad as the co-feature of the plant fight on saturday night here rusta barber put what about broner when, when broner was on point he was a tough fighter to beat just curious how his partying has taken a tool on him and if he can bounce back, I don't know. I don't. I think it's going to be really hard. I know he said, "Look, I'm only 31. You know, I'm not. I, I'm. I shouldn't be out of prime. I, I you know, talks. Okay, I, I, I should still be there. You know, um, and I know he's looking for a big, a big fight, a big payday. Uh, he's going to be facing Santiago. Um, you, you know, man, when you think of guys that abuse their bodies and don't use it as their temple and don't have that warrior mentality, um, you know, uh, not, now when I say warrior mentality, I mean, not over the top, like Juan Mar- Juan Mar- Marquez drinking his own piss, 
But I mean like treating his body as what it's supposed to be, which is the the machine that makes you money. Broner just wasn't doing that. Blowing up in weight, coming back down, and losing not just it was it just wasn't like healthy fat. Am I right here, Amilcar? There's a such thing as healthy fat. This guy was losing alcohol fat, you know? And uh, when you have that in your system and you're abusing your body, it's, it, 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 t- it ages your body. I could be completely wrong about this, but if, if I'm correct... Alcohol, abusing- does age, alcohol does age your body. I mean, in terms of anti-aging, the best thing to do, both for your skin and just like, yeah, your health is to stop... Uh, drinking alcohol i mean it's alcohol is a toxin at the end of the day it does permanent uh long damage to your liver first and foremost and um it also dehydrates you and has effects on your brain and all kinds of other things so no alcohol isn't uh good for you we do enjoy it obviously most of us from time to time but if you're a boxer it's definitely not anything you should be engaging in uh regularly and um yeah, I mean, it's not just an issue of, of having a beer belly. It's an issue of you not being uh, physically fit for your profession. Yeah, that Nato put out there. That's the second time the ghost ghosts me. I had tickets to the Guerrero Madonna at San Jose Shark Tank. Uh, oh, wow. In the Shark Tank. In San- you know what, yeah, dude? I was, I was looking forward to speaking to the ghost uh, tonight. Same here. Same here. I, had some, I was actually going to ask him about that because I, I went to the press – conference for it. I spoke to uh, Madonna. I, I spoke to Robert. I spoke to Oscar. I spoke to uh, Eric Gomez. Uh, we were really excited about it. I mean, the buzz was buzzing in San Jose, California because it was going to be a big fight. You know, and uh, I wanted to ask him, like, what two fights that he had wished would have happened, you know, in his career. He started off at 126 and, you know, and it still continue on at 147. But, you know, the two fights that come to my head, that I would have loved to have seen it happen would have been the Madonna fight, obviously, which Nato just pointed yeah. out. But the other one was against uh, John John Molina Jr. You know, when they were at a collision course at 135, John was looking like a beast knocking everybody out. And so was uh, uh, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, who kind of changed his style after leaving 126 and meeting his fate with Orlando Salido. He came out, started banging, started taking guys out. And I was like, dude, this is the fight that should happen. And it never did. You know, that fight never happened with John John Molina, who had a tremendous fight of the year uh, candidate uh, against a Lucas Matisse, if you remember that. Yeah, I I, I do remember that that that, that takes uh, me back, actually, a few years. No, I actually wanted to ask. Robert Guerrero, just in terms of for an update on how he's doing and what he's up to, and also just for his opinion on the landscape um, around everything from 135 to 147 or anything else that uh, he's interested in talking about. Yeah, I had a whole lineup of stuff in my head that I wanted to talk to him about, uh, you know, but uh, we'll get him. We'll get him, you know, the same thing with Devin Hangy. Uh, we're working on still getting him on here back on uh, on the show in uh, Philly. Irish Philly, our boy Drew from uh, the Shoe Shine podcast, which is going to air in about, I don't know, let me see, in about 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He put, I would never talk about Rock from Philly because as a guy from Philly, he made us look bad. You know, are you fat shaming him, Philly? Is that what you're doing? (laughs) At least they have have Stephen Fulton Jr. who looked tremendous in the PBC card before that. Oh, yes, he really did. 
You know, I was, it was I, I was listening to the show earlier, which you, with, that you did on on your show on D Style Channel, and uh, mm-hmm. we were talking, you know, about the way and how he looked, and even on Twitter, people were just bashing this poor kid, Rock. But I didn't want to say anything because I was like, what if this guy, because he started fighting at a very young age, what if this guy is like an Andy Ruiz? He just can't lose the weight, but he's got the skills. And for well, a, a no, brief moment, we were seeing that. For a brief no, moment. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. man. He had quick hands. He was landing some good shots. And and then, but what's his name? Um, you know, Coffee just said, nope, I'm going to decaf this guy. I mean, Andy Ruiz can go a solid 12 rounds. I don't think that guy could go a solid round. I mean, the punch volume wasn't there. The combinations weren't there. He'd throw a jab and then lean in and clinch. It was it was god-awful, man. And yeah. it should have never been on, on network television, let alone in the primetime slot, uh, let alone on the undercard of a champ. A, a co-feature, it was a to, co-feature. A, a, to a world championship fight. It makes That's you the wonder what the, the roster of fighters that <laughs> PBC has, it makes you wonder what they do. Is it like, do they pull it out of a hat and say, all right, guys, you're co-feature. What are we going to do? Ruth the Barber is also saying, I think the Ghost versus Rocky Juarez would have been good too. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been, yeah, that would have been great. That would have had tons and tons of action. But he keeps his hands down too much. He certainly did. Um, Coffee is one of those guys that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about him. To tell you the truth, I got to see a I little bit more. He's not going to get to championship status level in the heavyweight division, and if he does, he's going to get knocked out. And I can recite all the guys who 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 would do that. Whether it's Joshua Fury, um, even a guy like uh, I would even say even a Kubrat Pulev, to be honest with you. Let alone a guy like. Uh, uh, or, uh, you know, Joe Joyce or Joseph Parker or, you know, uh, Herjavec. I mean, these there's just levels to this, man. And um, he's a, 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 a lot of levels below world championship level. Think about, let's think about the heavyweights in the PVC uh, roster. We got Andy Ruiz, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, uh, you have uh, Charles Martin. Uh, yep. Now we have Coffee. You'll, you'll, uh, you're all, we, all, we also have uh, Robert Hellenius, all right, and Adam Kaunaki. Okay, and I think all of those guys beat Coffee. Uh, yeah. And it just makes you wonder why any of those other guys we just mentioned, like uh, even like Charles Martin, why was he not put on there? I mean, what could have been the whole thing? I don't know. I mean, something else could have been – not schedule something that's not not even just know. to keep even just to keep busy fight if you're making like a hundred grand for it i would i mean you're on major tv it's worth it in terms of the uh, public attention so any any word from the from the ghost dave no like i said there's not he's not going to come through here he's not going to come through today um he couldn't get a hold of him he is in training camp he is getting ready to fight in april is what i've been told he's having Got a fight it. in april but he was going to let us know who he was going to face what was the name of the person that he was going to face? Either It's either going to be April or May, is what I was told. Um, and uh, that's why I wanted a month. I wanted to find out what was happening with his career. Mm-hmm. Also, pick his brain about uh, being in the boxing business, you know, and, and how the welterweight division is holding up right now. 
the shape of it, what his thoughts were about it, and uh, what he's what was he hoping to continue on? I mean, with a guy that's won millions already and has uh, faced Floyd Mayweather, wasn't successful. He was shut out in that fight. But why continue on? What was that was my one of my questions? Why continue this path in the hurt business? You know, I would I would have liked to hear his answer. Uh, to that question, and hopefully uh, we can get him on another time, Dave. Absolutely. Well, fellas, I think we're at the end of our hour here on Leave the Ring. I'm all talked out. I think Emil Carr is all talked out. This guy's been talking for about, what, five hours, bro? You had your show earlier at 2 o'clock, man. You know, yeah, good five, job, though. Yeah, thank you. Five, five o'clock, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, at least for now. I'll, let's just go through the rotation of Leave it in the Ring, though, Dave, and uh, you could fill in the blanks if I miss anything. So Mondays... All right, live at 5, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, a call-in show, uh, followed by this show, obviously, the flagship show. We want you guys calling in, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Tuesdays, Hispanics causing panic with D-Style and G-Funky on D-Style's channel. Wednesdays, Hispanic causing panic uncensored. All right, that's on my man G-Funky's channel, Wednesday nights. All right, people are free to kind of tune into that and participate Thursdays, it's the Leave It in the Ring roundtable, hosted again by D-Style, the one and only. All right, I'm there. David's there from time to time. Joe Habib from Ringside Reporter. Uh, G-Funky, uh, Raw Boxing TV is there from time to time. We've got a light, nice little crew and people that jump in and jump out, depending on the week. Sat- uh, then Sundays, um, we obviously have Ringside Reporter, right, Dave? 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, on the Ringside Reporter channel. That's the right. main rotation. I think uh, I've maybe have to plug you have to plug in two that I'm or one or two that I might have forgotten about. But I know we're always talking about doing stuff on fight days too, on big fight Saturdays, so we can right. do something. You, uh, on- I don't know if you mentioned yeah. Shoe Shine that is at seven p.m. here. I mean, at Periscope, uh, and uh, they have a YouTube channel as well. Check them out. They're at seven p.m. Yep. I don't know. I have. I, I'm. I'm going to be doing the uh, quick, quick, uh, quick thoughts on news and notes. Uh, I just don't know what days I'm going to put them up. I think I'm doing one tomorrow, uh, just to not counter against uh, a milk car on his days and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure what days yet. You know, might be Tuesdays. It might All be right. Thursdays. You know that I'm oh, going to be doing that. You know. Cool. But yeah, Ben Philly said I don't want to see Charles Martin. You know, I want to see less of him. Really, I thought he's improved, man. I'll talk about that in the quick, uh, quick news and notes and stuff on Tuesday. He's with Manny Robles too, right? He's with Manny Robles. I thought he's improved a whole Manny lot. Robles has, has, has improved him a bit. So, I um, think so. so yeah, yeah, I, and I really he can, do. He can crack. So it was always an issue for me of getting his balance, mm-hmm. um, and, which I think and, has gotten better. Yeah, fit, uh, getting back on the balance after he throws his shots, and especially his combinations. Um, uh, to me, it was all about balance and footwork. So uh, I, I did see some stuff. I think confidence. The confidence was the was the lack of. That. I don't think the kid. I think the kid had the skills. You know, um, this yeah. wasn't somebody just some regular Joe they picked off the street, and you know, no. I mean, he had something there. But when he got in with Anthony Joshua. You could see he had no confidence. Like, it was not even there. Everybody looked, not only AJ looked past through him, past him, everybody looked past him. You know what I'm saying? And I think he needed that booster where the trainer believed in him. Because that makes a big difference for 
anybody, you're, no matter what. It makes a huge difference when you have a team that believes in you and says, hey, you can do this. Si, si puedes. Right. Exactly. So if you're here with us now or if you're listening to us on demand, iHeartRadio, Pandora, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podkicker, everywhere else that you listen to your podcast, Podbeam, uh, subscribe to all of our channels, man. All right. Uh, G Funky Boxing, D Style Boxing. Me, I'm uh, Maestro A. All right. Look us up. Uh, follow our content. You'll also find us on the rotation here on the Leaving in the Ring radio network well there you go folks you know hopefully we can get these interviews next week if not man it's always a pleasure to talk boxing with everybody you know um you know we're just the regular guys just like you guys and we do this all for the love and joy of the sport just like everybody else we are boxing zombies i guess that that's what you're absolutely right. you know uh, okay, guys, you guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Don't drink and jive. I may be on. I should be on tomorrow, um, late in the day. I'm not quite sure what time. I'm sorting this all out, the schedule, to bring the quick news and notes um, here to leave the ring. Also working on around the ring to return that, bring that back uh, as well on the network and um, run it back. Okay, anyways, guys, you guys have a good night. I can't end up staying on here forever. The middle card, you need to stop me. All right, brothers. All right, Dave. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. <laughs>